for being with us this morning. Grab your hymn books now. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, Brother Ken's going to come open us up as we stand and sing together now. Thank you for being here, Brother Ken. Amen. Page number 55 this morning and hymn number 55 in your blue song book today. When the roll is called up yonder, we'll sing all three verses. Hymn number 55. your presence. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this afternoon and ask him to just be with us today because if he's here, we know everything will be done right. James, open us up in prayer if you would, son, and let's just storm the throne room of grace this morning. Pray for us, buddy, if you would. Our Father and our God, we thank you again for uh, allowing us to come back here. Father, thank you for uh, putting this church here. Father, we know that none of us are here by accident. Father, we are here because you wanted us here. Father, we pray that as we go into this service, Lord, that uh, that you have called us to in your word. Father, we pray that everything would be done in accordance with your word. Father, we pray that we would exalt the name of your Son, our Savior. Father, I pray that uh, we would just simply have a freedom, Lord, to worship him. Father, I pray that uh, we would just exalt his name, Father, and the things that he has done for us. Father, as the word of God is preached, I pray that our hearts would just be receptive and that... Uh, you would give us uh, feet to walk, Lord, the word that we hear. Father, I also pray that if any here have never turned uh, to your son, Father, to trust him for their eternal salvation, Father, I pray that today that you would draw them to yourself and that they would turn to you and find your son, Father, to be the perfect savior that he is. Father, for those of us that have trusted in him, I pray that we would simply think about that and rejoice in the great salvation that you have freely given to us. Father, we thank you for your love that you have showered on us so abundantly. Father, I pray that as we would sing now that all of us would contemplate the great love that you have shown toward us. 
Father, we can never thank you enough. And Father, it's because of your son that we ask this. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being here. This is one of my favorite songs that our choir does, a Caliphate classic. And boy, Brother Scott does a fantastic job. I hope this song will bless your heart. Past is a promise. You listen now as the choir sings. Oh, uh -huh. 
know sometimes when we see things, a lot of times we often forget the power that is behind it. When it comes to a name, there's a power in a lot of names in the country that we live in. You can mention people's names. You can mention Rockefeller. And all of a sudden, you think of the power that's in that name. You think of our president, President Trump, the power in his name. Bush, Obama, all these people, there's power in their name. But there is one name that has been given as power above everything, and that is the name of Jesus. And one day, every tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you don't believe in him today, I promise you, if you do not trust him as Christ is your Savior, one day you will bow the knee and proclaim him as your Savior. You better get it right today. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't make haste. If you're here today, don't know Christ is your Savior. I beg with you and I plead with you. Trust him today for your salvation. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have the next couple of hours. God has time in his hands and he'll call us home when it's time to go home. You make it right. There's still power in the name of Jesus. Oh
Thank you so much, choir. Wonderful job. Several announcements now that I need to go over with you this morning. Thank you for being here this Sunday morning. I got lots of things to share with you. First of all, a uh, reminder to our drama team that we will be practicing today at 2.30 to prepare for the upcoming Ladies' Jubilee. Uh, and then uh, uh, in order to uh, uh, have a good feel for who will be participating, uh, Miss Pam and I need to meet with all the drama team right over here, piano side, right after services, uh, just for about five minutes, and we'll let you uh, run, grab a bite to uh, lunch. Thank you, son. Uh, run, grab a bite of lunch, then we'll be back here at 2.30 for practice and, of course, have our regular evening services tonight. Special things that we'll be sharing in honor of this Easter season so you be here tonight at uh, six o'clock and again drama team right after services also right after services over on this side uh, we need to meet with any of the prospective seniors who might be interested in our next seniors trip uh, that'll be taken in early june ish we're going to set a date for that so uh, brother and sister up church will meet uh, those seniors right over here on my left uh, the the organ side so you keep that in mind that is also right after church of course, this coming weekend is our Ladies' Jubilee, and it is a highlight of the year. We have Sister Kyla Rowland who will be here on Friday night. Services begin at 6 o'clock downstairs uh, for a meal, and then up here at 7 o'clock, we've got the nursery. Uh, guests will be taking care of that from our child care center. So if you've got a child, we'll be sure to take good care of them and give you the opportunity. Now, you have to keep them through dinner. Amen. And then you can deposit them. Uh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? You can drop them off. <laughs> I don't know. Depositing my children sounds pretty good. Amen. But anyway, you can drop them off in the nursery about quarter till 7. And then again on Saturday morning, services begin at 10 o'clock for the ladies. Nursery will be available, uh, housed by our child care center. And then again on Sunday morning, a week from today, we'll be homecoming services here. Sixth annual SAGBC homecoming. Kyla Rowland and Deliverance will be singing. And once again, they'll be taking care of the nursery for us uh, on that day. And then after services this coming Sunday, a week from today, we'll have our meal uh, catered. Cost is $6 a person. You can't go buy that. I promise you, you can't even go to McDonald's for $6 a person anymore. Uh, and especially having uh, meats, vegetables, and desserts. Uh, and the church pays the difference for that. So we invite you next Sunday morning. A great, great time on Thursday night. Uh, Miss Renee and Miss Susan and the others, we're looking for some folks that can help us downstairs at 6 o'clock. We'll get you some dinner, and that is to get everything set up for Friday, so set up on Thursday night uh, at 6 o'clock, and I'll put that on our call system as well. Keep that in mind if you would. Then on the right-hand side over there, I've got a special new announcement for our direct or for our uh, a calendar. Uh, we made mention of this last week, but I am excited to announce a revival that will be happening at the end of August, August 28th. 29th and 30th, and that, that will be with Brother C.T. Townsend. It'll be an incredibly active week and weekend. On Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning will be our Women's Mountain Retreat. On Saturday evening, uh, Brother C.T. will be down at Gospel Light Baptist Church for a youth rally. And uh, we're hoping to go to that, brother. Amen. Uh, so you know what that means? I was explaining this to my wife. I was so excited to say this. My wife looked at me, and she said, Greg, CT's going to be at Gospelite on Saturday, August the 27th. Can we go? I said, sure, baby, absolutely. Can't wait. Her eyes got big. I said, you know that means that at the end of the Women's Mountain Retreat, we have to come right home. We can't stop at a single shop. <laughs> Amen. 
she looked at me and the dagger started shooting out of her eyes. I said, it's sealed, sealed and delivered. Amen. But uh, you can still come with us, ladies. Amen. Well, we're looking forward to a great weekend. Put that on your calendars uh, and m note that it'll be a fabulous, fabulous weekend and then a revival Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with Brother C.T. Then I want to talk to you about a brand new option that we've got. Uh, I mentioned it last Sunday, and that is uh, online tithes and offerings. Now, let me, let me start by telling you that if you still want to use the traditional way, you certainly can. You can still use checks in the envelope and cash and all of that. But if you're like me and you'd like to have the online option, uh, we have included in your bulletin a folded sheet that gives you all the instructions on how to do it. And so I can show you how easy it is, I'm getting ready to do my tithes right now. I open up the app. This is exciting, I think. And the first thing on the app it shows you is a history of what you've given, which is pretty awesome, I think. I tap on the word give, type in my amount. No, I'm not going to tell you. One dollar, no. I select how I want to pay it. I want to go to tithes and offerings and click pay, and I just paid my tithes. That simple. Amen. That's pretty awesome. I think it's pretty spectacular. So if you're interested in that option, uh, it is available how you do it, how you register for it, how do you make it happen. Uh, Brother Scott can answer questions. I can answer questions. Uh, we will actually go live with this the first Sunday in May. And again, if you want to use the traditional route, you can sure do that. No problem. But if you'd like to utilize the electronic offering, uh, that will be available to you beginning the first Sunday in May. All right. Let me get all the little ones up here. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, uh, you come on, make your way down this morning. Come on, make your way down. Uh, all those that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, they're going to come around, collect any loose change you have. We call this our pity march, uh, and it helps support our upcoming Jubilee. Take off, kids.
everybody heading to Children's Church. Come on this morning. Fellas, come on down this morning if you would. Let's uh, be obedient to the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. I do want to encourage you, if you're interested in taking advantage of the online offering, take the next two weeks, get everything set up and registered. Uh, and again, when you do contribute that way, you get an automatic receipt. It came to my phone within five seconds of my contribution. So I've got that record of it, and that keeps an ongoing record. Again, if you're interested, question, see myself, especially Brother Cassidy, especially, and uh, we'll be sure to help you. Sister, you come on, get ready to sing for us. Uh, you be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today, and we sure are glad to be in your house. We thank you for the opportunity that you've provided. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services today. Lord, bless the tithes and offerings. Sister Kenoda, she sings. Lord, I pray that you would do something great in our midst today. And God, that you'd use us uh, to be a blessing to the folks. So we thank you and we love you now in Christ's name. Amen. Mr. Coffee, my CD is in the Rick seat. Have you found it? Good deal. Good deal. I should have known you were on time with it. Special request by Miss Irma Wagner. You want to hear the stories Track of two. how I made I it through.
God who parted waters still makes a way today. He's always brought me through the troubled seas. When all else is crumbling, my God's voice chills the tempest. He's my bread of life and he's my peace. I still serve an amazing God. He's been with me every mile. My weary feet have trod. He still cares and he still This old world is bound to change, but I'm glad I love the one who always stays the same, and my song will ever be amazing. God, you're still amazing. still serve an amazing God. He's been with me every mile my weary feet have trod. He still cares. He still heals. He's still mending broken hearts and drying tears. This old world is bound to change, but I'm glad I know the one who always stays the Love lifted me, love lifted me. 
Thank you so much. Fellowship in this church in Henry County. Amen. You say, Preacher, why does Miss Renee stop? I always wave her off and tell her to stop because otherwise, two hours later, we'd still be fellowshipping. Amen. Before we get into the Word this morning, I want Brother Ken to come share with you. Uh, our annual golf tournament is getting ready to come up, and that, of course, supports our teams as they head to conference this year. Uh, so Brother Ken always heads this up for us, so he's going to come chat with you for just a couple of minutes, and then we'll get into the Word this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. I'd like to thank uh, David Martin for making our flyers once again this year. It's our uh, Captain's Toy Golf Tournament to be held one, uh, once again at Beaver Hills uh, Golf Course over there on Kings Mountain Road. Uh, our tee time's at 1 o'clock. It's at Saturday, June the 10th. Looking forward to another good time. Uh, the first year we had it, we had, I think it was 16 teams registered. And uh, last year, it kind of blew my mind as we were sitting there registering people. And uh, we got up to 16 teams, and I looked. And there was still a long line of people that was wanting to sign up to come. And I went back over there, and uh, many of you play golf over I talked to Brian. I said, Brian, what are we going to do? I said, we got more people coming. He said, we'll do this and this. And he had everything under control. And uh, we ended up with 23 teams last year. And that was such a blessing. And uh, it was a, had a great time of fellowship. And uh, Brother Charlie, Brother Gerald helped out in cooking, uh, cooking all the food and getting the barbecue ready. And I really do think that people look more forward to the barbecue meal than they do playing the golf all day. Because <laughs> if you would see them while they're there, they, I mean, the mouse is watering. They're just enjoying all that time. And, but uh, we did get a little bit of a rain shower last year. But there'll be prizes to hand out once again. But what I, what I really need is some, uh, some help along the way. I appreciate Brother Bobby helping out as much as he can, Bobby Up Church, and uh, really getting the word out as well. But if you know some golf teams that would like to play, and uh, all the proceeds are going to the young people getting ready to go to a conference this summer. And I think as long as you're young, as long as a teenager or even a young adult, if you come and you work the tournament and you help out for those hours that we are there, you will get credit and you'll earn the money that is available to you there. And I think last year for everybody who worked, I think my wife told me it was $189 that uh, each person just had made. Just about pays for it. And uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. And I try to do the best that I can to help your child raise all the money they need to make it easy on your pocketbook. But it's a lot of time, a lot of effort goes into that. And I'd really like for you to partner up with us if you, if you can. You have the availability, if you'd like to, to be a blessing. You can sponsor a whole and you'll have a sign put at the tee box for $100. We'll put your name on it. I'll write anything on there you want to. Go Tar Heels or I Hate Tar Heels. Don't stop I'll right there. That. Amen. I said we can put I Hate Tar Heels. <laughs> I'll put anything on there you want to as long as, it, as, long as it's nothing bad. Amen. <laughs> so scratch that last comment, I Hate Tar Heels. We won't put that on there. Um, so we're going to do that. It's $40 a person who wants to play, $160 per team. Captain's Choice team, you have four players. It's a, it's a wonderful event and a wonderful way to raise money. So I hope the, you'll jump on board with us. That's June the 10th, Beaver Hills Country Club, tea time at 1 o'clock. Get the word out. There are some papers over here in our postal area. It's the only church I know has a postal area. So don't, if you want to go postal in a church house, it's right back here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Brother Ken. And as always, I will be doing the really hard job that day of riding the golf cart cheering everybody on. Psalm 13, please. Psalm number 13, if you would, please. Psalm 13. We're going to read the entirety of this psalm, which is only six verses. Psalm 13. The psalm uh, is universally agreed upon by scholars to have been written by David when he was fleeing one of his many occasions from Saul. 
And the words that David pins here, I think, are real for every believer today. One of the songs that I love to sing for our choir, I got dozens of favorite songs, but uh, one of the ones that Kyla wrote that I cherish so much is the song that says there will come sweet things out of dark places. And I asked her a few years ago when I first heard that, in fact, it was at Amazing Grace several years ago after I had just been diagnosed with pancreatitis that, and was uh, 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 moving forward to a life-changing surgery that thankfully I didn't have to have. But uh, uh, Kyla played and sung that for Renee and myself. It was just us there and her family. And I went up to her afterwards and I said, Kyla, why has no one ever recorded that song because at that point it was over 10 years old and she smiled and she said Christians today don't like to talk about dark places that we go through somehow we think that we are less than spiritual if we talk about our uh, depressing moments if we talk about our times of discouragement but the Bible's clear we will all have them Moreover, if we are in tune with God, we will find that some of the closest moments of our Christian life happen during the darkest times of our earthly life. Moreover, we'll also find that when we get to those places where he is, as the choir sang this morning, all that we have, we will in turn find that he's all that we need. David beautifully describes that situation this morning. So let's read all six verses of this together. Verse number one. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? having sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy... Say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Look at verse 6. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Father, we thank you once again for the reading of your word. Lord, I'm I'm thankful this morning that in times of discouragement, in times of depression, in times of heartache, you deal with us bountifully. Lord, you've promised that you'd be an ever-present help in a time of need. Lord, it burdens my heart today that so seldom do spiritual leaders talk about the difficult times that we as God's youngins have to face. 
But the reality is, Lord, that we all have to walk through valleys. And sometimes, God, these are valleys of the shadow of death. Lord, they're times of discouragement. They're times of despair. Lord, you've also told us that when we walk there, we won't have to walk alone. Lord, I pray that as I go into the message today that is most assuredly intended for believers, Lord, that you'd help to encourage the discouraged, that you'd help strengthen the weak. Lord, if there's someone here today that is not a Christian, Lord, I pray that you'd send the mighty Holy Spirit to convict their hearts and let them know that today is the day of salvation. Bless our preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been in our church very long, you know that I love hymnology. I love the story behind hymns. I love the uh, uh, oftentimes the situations and the circumstances that led to the creation of our hymns. I'm a fan of hymns. I think hymns hold powerful doctrine in them. One of my particular favorites is a hymn that we don't sing very often as a congregation, but we sing relatively often as an invitation, and it simply says, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. This hymn was written by a hymn writer by the name of Annie Hawks. Annie was the tender age of 37 and was a young wife and a housewife, mother. She says that one particular day I was busy with my regular household tasks. She says it was not a special day, not an unusual day, nothing out of the ordinary, but suddenly, she says, I became so filled with the sense of nearness to my Savior that I stopped and wondered how someone could live without him, either in joy or in pain, for one moment of the day. She said, I sat down on the couch and I penned these words I need thee every hour most gracious Lord no tender voice like thine can peace afford I need thee Lord every hour stay thou nearby temptations lose their power when thou art nigh I need thee, Lord, every hour, in joy or in pain. Come quickly and abide, or my life is in vain. I need thee every hour, most holy one. Make me yours indeed, Lord, thou precious, blessed son. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour. I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. She says later in her life that I did not fully understand 
the power of the words or why they had connected so deeply to so many people. She says, later in life, when I stood at the graveside of my husband in the shadow of a great loss, my own words that I had written some 40 years prior came back to me in a sweet moment of peace. Standing beside the grave of my husband, I sang from the top of my voice, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. The reality is, folks, the subject of pain, and heartache, and sorrow, something our church has dealt with a lot in the last few weeks. Again, it is not something that we like to talk about. It is not something we like to preach about. But the reality is that even amongst God's people, we live in a world filled with broken hearts. People are hurting. And may I submit to you this morning that those of us who know the Lord, we often find ourselves crying out the same words that Annie wrote uh, over a hundred years ago. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I found myself, to be honest with you, saying that a lot the last few weeks. Not just because of the home going of my own mom, but because of the love I have for my church folks and watching so many of them suffer heartaches and go through challenges and difficulties. Pains, problems, sorrows, doubts, fears, anxieties. Please listen. They don't get talked about in church, but they are part and parcel of the Christian life. Wish I could tell you that the Christian walk is an easy one. Wish I could tell you that the Christian life was a bed of roses, but in reality, just the opposite is true. Yes, there are times of great joy. There are times of great celebration. There are times of great jubilation. But there's also a lot of tears. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of tough days. And I don't have the answer for all of them, but I sure am able to sing the song that Annie wrote, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. David understood those words when he wrote this psalm. So with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to give you, if you'll allow me to borrow Annie's title, I want to give you a message that I've entitled, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Three things that I want us to look at. Number one, I want you to note with me the confusion of David's heart. The confusion of David's heart. Again, scholars are in unanimous agreement that this psalm was likely written during the time that David was on the run from Saul. Please listen closely to the next statement I'm about to make. David was the next anointed king of Israel. He had done nothing but be submissive 
and show subjectivity and subservience to the current king, Saul. He had done nothing wrong, yet he still found himself running from Saul. As a result, David is physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally worn out. When we read the psalm, we understand that he believes he can't make it another day. He can't hide another hour. He can't run another minute. And it is this kind of thinking that occupies his mind when he writes what is a hymn for the nation of Israel. How did he feel? He describes it beautifully in the first two verses. Number one, he felt forgotten. He felt forgotten. Notice what he says in verse number one. Four times in this psalm he asks, how long? And in verse number one he says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? If you know the story of David and Saul, you know that this running that he had to do wasn't a single instant. It wasn't a temporary condition. It was a long-term problem that David dealt with. No doubt David's been praying about the matter. No doubt on multiple occasions he's asked God to take care of it. Yet over and over and over God allows the situation to continue. Time is a crazy thing, folks. When we are enjoying what we're doing, it seems to move so fast. But when we are enduring what we're doing, it seems to slow down to a crawl. When things are going great, when the bills are paid and the kids are healthy and grades are good and the job is solid and there seems to be a enough money to make it to the end of the month and everything seems to be on K. That just happens so fast. But when the doctor's visit gives a bad diagnosis, when the bills mount up and there's too much month at the end of the money, when the kids have Problems when the marriage is on the rocks, when relationships sour, uh, when the job becomes problematic, then it seems all of a sudden uh, as if time stands still uh, and instead of enjoying our life, we're having to endure our life. Please listen to what I'm about to say and know that I love you when I say it. Don't listen to any whack job TV evangelist who tries to tell you uh, that you'll never have nothing but sunshine, rainbows, and smiley faces if you serve God. Because Jesus himself says, I don't have a place to lay my head at night. And if I understand my Bible, it tells me clearly that there will be long days and sleepless nights and heartaches and heartbreaks and tears that are shed and times where you can't even lay down at night because your heart's hurting so badly. David felt forgotten. Not going to ask you to raise your hand. 
I'm not going to ask you to say amen, but have you been there? There have been times in your life when you've looked heavenward and said the very same thing that David said, God, how long is this going to keep going? Forever? Not only did David feel forgotten, I want you to note that he also felt forsaken. Felt forsaken. The end of verse number one, he says, How long wilt thou hide thyself from me? Notice again, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? When he uses the word face there, what he's literally talking about is this idea of his of God's blessing, of God's pleasure of God's favor upon his life. And I got to pause again and say for a second time, David had done nothing wrong. Yet he still finds himself in this situation. We Baptists, sometimes we need to get off our spiritual high horses. We far too often hold our noses up in spiritual indignation, somehow thinking that, that people deserve what they get. I had some wonderful, wonderful things and comments said to me and to my family during the loss of my mom. Not loss, I know where she is. During the home going of my mama. But I had some pretty nasty comments as well I had one person to be very blunt with you that I had to dismiss some time ago uh, send me an email that said karma is a terrible thing isn't it you say preacher what do you do you bow your head and you say a little prayer because the reality is folks every single one of us We'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He felt forgotten. He felt forsaken. He also felt forlorn. It's a word that simply means depressed. My goodness, depression is something we just don't talk about in church. We don't, we don't broach that word. Somehow, if we talk about being depressed, it means that we're spiritually weak. All we got to do is open the Bible and read John 3, 16, and we'll climb right out of that depression. What a bunch of hogwash. David said, How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long shall I take counsel counsel in my soul. Can I paraphrase this? David said, I'm hurting so badly. There's nobody around for me to talk to. The only person I can speak to is me. David has resorted, listen, not just to talking to himself, but using his broken heart as his spiritual counselor. I got to pause just a moment. 
if you get nothing else, please get me this morning. Please, please, please underscore this. Put an exclamation point behind it. Our broken hearts don't give us good advice. What do you mean, preacher? When I say that your flesh is not saved, uh, your flesh is as lost as it's ever been, I hope everybody would respond with a hearty amen. Listen to the next statement because it's just as important. Uh, Neither are your emotions saved. Your emotions will betray you just because you think it, uh, just because you feel it, uh, does not mean it is right. When we get depressed, when we get discouraged, we become consumed with our own issues. We become overwhelmed with our own pain. We become so inwardly focused that we cannot see beyond what we feel at this moment. I've said often to my own family, don't trust your emotions. Because emotions can be here one moment and they can be here the next. And when you react based upon your emotional state, whether it be exuberance or depression, very often what you do and what you say is not what you meant to do, is not what you meant to say, and then you can't take back what you just did or said. The heart is a poor counselor when it's broken. Again, verse 2 says, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Have you ever had a conversation with someone? The conversation's over. You're by yourself. You start thinking of everything you wish you'd said. The the things that are coming in your head and you wish had come out your mouth, there's a reason why God didn't let you say it. There's a reason when the Spirit of God dwells in our heart. There's a reason that God slams that gate down over our lips. Everyone, not as often as he needs to, but slams that gate down over our lips. And I've heard people say, well, if he was here, I'd say X. And I look at him and think, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you've got God dwelling in your heart, you might wish you'd have said it. You might want to have said it. But God gives us a filter. We realize that our broken heart is not something from which we need to take spiritual advice. Notice, number one, David's confusion. Simply put, he's in a bad, bad spot. Not only do you see the confusion of his heart, I want you to notice, secondly, the cry of his heart. Verses 1 and 2, David's talking about himself. He's looking inward. His attention is on him and him alone. But at this moment, somehow between verses 2 and 3, David gets a hold of his emotions. Gone is his agony 
Gone is the irrational thinking. Gone are the words of desperation. And in a very few simple, uneloquent words, David turns his attention heavenward. What a transformation. One of the greatest presidents who ever occupied the halls of the White House, Abraham Lincoln, said, I often have been driven to my knees to the throne of grace and prayer by the firm conviction that I simply had no place else to go. Matthew 14, 30. Peter walked on water and began to sink and said the most powerful three-word prayer that's ever been uttered. Lord, save me. Notice in verse number three, David praise about his own emotions verse 3 he says consider and hear me O Lord my God consider and hear me O Lord my God lighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death can I tell you what he says in the second part when he says, lighten my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death? I believe what he says is, Lord, I've cried so much. I can't cry anymore. I've got no more tears left. I've got no more heart left. I've got so much pain. Lord, I know what I'm thinking. I know my heart is not right. I know my emotions are out of control. I need your help right now. And he calls him Lord, my God. If you've got a King James Bible, and I sure hope you do, it says, O oh Lord. And the word Lord there is in all capital letters. That means that he calls him by his superior name, Jehovah, which means that he's talking to the one who is the promise keeper. And then he calls him my God, which is the one whose name means Elohim, which is the God of power. So when he turns his attention heavenward, he's not talking to the man upstairs. He's not talking to some father figure. He's talking to the one who's got all power, all ability. And he says, God, you've always kept your promise. You've never one time let me down. And Lord, I need you right now. Prayed about his emotions. And then he does something that shows his spiritual maturity. David's a young man. He's still very much a young man by all accounts. But he does something that spiritually teaches all of us a powerful lesson he doesn't just pray for his emotions he prays for his enemies look at verse 4 lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved 
David is wise beyond his years. Staggeringly smart. But he understands that there are times when people are the problem. Amen. There are times when circumstances are the problem, when situations are the problem, when surroundings are the problem, but let's just be blunt. Uh, There are times when people are the problem. How so? Well, in David's life, there were some people that wanted him dead. David smartly and wisely says, Lord, I'm paraphrasing verse 4, He says, if I don't get a hold of my emotions, then my enemy's going to look at me and see the way that I can't hold it together, and they're going to get victory out of this. So, God, I need you to help me as I pray for them because I don't want them getting your credit and your glory. You know, something I've discovered in 20 years of preaching and 16 years of pastoring, it's real difficult to dislike somebody you pray for. I wish I could tell you that I was the spiritual giant and didn't dislike anybody. (laughs) The great preacher of yesteryear, Stack, he still preaches today. Uh, One of the first teen conferences I ever heard, Brother Steve Robertson flipped out his little notebook and he said uh, in the front of my little notepad I have the names of people that I'm praying for and he starts flipping the pages and then he flipped it off and he said guess what I got in the back he opened the pages and he's got names this is not going to fit y'all's theology this is what he said he said Lord these are the names that have given my daddy a fit his daddy was the pastor These are the names that have tried to tear this church apart. So, God, if you're in the zapping business today, I'd like to bring to the throne room a few candidates. That was his words, not mine, but amen. (laughs) It's difficult. In fact, it's impossible to really be angry Dislike somebody that you're praying for. So I'm going to tell you straight up, when I got that email at 1 o'clock in the morning that said, karma stinks, doesn't it? I closed it. God is my witness. I said, Lord, that person's hurting. There's a sense of deep hurt said, Lord, if you're in the zapping business. No, I didn't say that. But the reality, but if you are, the reality, just saying, that's right. The reality is, folks, spiritually mature ones, we pray for our enemies. And in fact, Jesus said, pray for them that despitefully use you. I can pray for people I like. I can pray for people who are good to us. It's a challenge to pray for those who ain't. But anybody can pray for the good. Notice, not only does he pray for his emotions, 
Not only does he pray for his enemies, but I want you to notice that in verse number 5, everything changes. There is a word there, and it is the first word of verse number 5 that I think turns everything around. It is the word, but. We go from the confusion of David's heart to the cry of David's heart to finally now the celebration of David's heart. The word but displays the other side of this coin. The word but simply means, Lord, I've had my problems, but I'm going to trust you in spite of them all. David starts praising God. David in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of his tears, in the midst of depression, starts praising God. What does he praise him for? Look at verse 5. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Lord, it's a long night. Lord, my heart's aching. Lord, I don't have any more tears left to cry. Lord, I can't see an end to this. Lord, it feels like you've walked away from me. But Lord, I also know that this didn't come to stay. This came to pass. And Lord, if I can't find anything else to rejoice about, I'm going to rejoice that I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, I 